Welcome to another episode of the Ignite Your Mind podcast, a safe place for real talk and discovering powerful stories, talking about mental health, real business journeys, and hearing inspiring stories. My name's Anjay Patel, and I'm a transformational life coach. And this week, I have another powerful guest to tell her hero story. Welcome, Lucy Victoria Jackson. This was an unexpected conversation for me as I felt nervous knowing bits of Lucy's story, but when we got into it, it was a really powerful and motivating story. Lucy shares her experiences from a young age battling with bullying in school, developing anxiety and depression for a number of years, and then engaging with an emotionally abusive relationship. The turning point for Lucy and the penny drop was when she discovered yoga. If you want to know the power of yoga, then Lucy's story is one to hear. She has now transformed her whole life around, and my God, this was inspiring. I hope you enjoy. Okay then, and welcome to another episode of the Ignite Your Mind podcast. And again, I've got these special guests that keep coming. There's like endless streams of them. Uh, this week, I'm actually, I think there was only one time before where before I introduced the guests, I actually felt a bit nervous. Um, don't ask me why, but let's just see how we get on. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really super grateful to have Lucy Victoria Jackson. How are you doing? Hi, Sanjay. Thank you so much for having me. I am doing well. I'm a little bit hot, kind of melting. Oh. It's really hot today. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. It's yeah. Um, yeah, if you're listening to this, uh, well, we're recording this when it's what, 32 degrees in the UK? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we're we're all a bit sweltering at the moment, but we're all yeah. good. We can't complain, as I said. So, um, so yeah, I mean, look, one of the reasons why I reached out to you, Lucy, was um, you live local to me, which is a which is a rarity. I've got no one local on my, on my podcast so far. So, um, Ascot buddy, um, and also because I heard you do your podcast, I heard your story, and I had to get you on. I had to get you on my my audience the guys that listen to this podcast like they really embrace the stories of you know going through some real hardship um and some real challenges but yet still coming out and finding your finding your own way finding your own way to come back to you know the best version of yourself and i know that's a long journey um for everyone but you know, from what I've heard and what I've spoke to you before. Um, yeah, so I'm really, really keen to sort of dig deep and see, see, see where we go. Um, mm. So let's, let's take it back, Lucy. Um, for everyone who's listening, give us an insight to what it was for Lucy growing up when you were, when you were a child. So I had a really fortunate childhood, um, as you say, from the Ascot area. Yep. Um, I actually grew up around Windsor the first 10 years of my life, but yeah, moved just down the road up to Ascot when I was 10. And I have a lovely family, great mum and dad, an amazing sister who's just two and a half years younger than me. So she's like my best buddy and younger brother as well. And again, we just, you know, we had such a lovely time growing up we were active we were always outside we had some amazing holidays and yeah I was just really fortunate I had a really yeah. well supported really fortunate um upbringing so very lucky would you say you like a, a, a tight-knit family like quite close together yeah definitely yeah. yeah and we were always encouraged to do things together as a family so even if that yeah. was like going for a walk on a Sunday or like all going down to the tennis club together on a Friday night like we it was it was nice. really lovely or rollerblading roller discos that was one oh, of the things we did those days. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I think yeah. I didn't I wasn't so much a roller uh, uh the disco one of it but I used to go to Slough Ice Rink 
Uh, uh, I used to yeah. roll a, uh, what'd you, ice skating. Come ice skating. Oh my God. Um, it was so long ago. Yeah, I used to do the ice skating. I used to go mm. to the disco ice skating where it used to get really dark and the music used to go. I mean, I was 12 years old. I thought I was the coolest person in the world. But um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> one, of, one, of, one of those moments, right? Um, which we'll never forget. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, amazing. Amazing to hear that, you know, you had a really good upbringing. You know, you were a tight-knit family. You used to do stuff. Um, there was no disparity, you know, between you guys. Amazing to hear that. Um, so talk us through sort of your teen years. When you were entering your teen years, what, what was that like for you? Yeah, so that is when I think things do get hard for people more generally, you know, hormones changing and um, mm. just go it that, that transition, I think, from primary school into secondary school is always going to be a tough one, I think, because it's kind of like going from this safe little pond into a much mm. bigger ocean almost and being just a tiny fish in that big ocean. Like, whoa. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit, a little bit overwhelming and you kind of like, you get to, year six at primary school and like oh I'm the biggest kid in the school and like, everyone's <laughs> looking up to you and then all of a sudden you make that transition into year seven yeah and then it's like oh god I'm the little kid again I'm the awkward one with spots and like my skirt is so much longer than all the older girls and like mm. my blazer's too big for me and all of that kind of stuff so for me it, it was kind of a little bit earlier than, than teen I guess so yeah. when I made that transition um into secondary school that was when things became a little bit more challenging um, because again I was very fortunate I, I, my parents sent me to private school so the level of education I've received is, is really high mm-hmm. um, but it meant that I was at an all-girls school and um, all-girls environments can be really challenging I know mixed environments and I'm yeah. sure all boys environments can be as well but for me it was the all-girl environment that was just so challenging because almost immediately I kind of started to be excluded from friendship groups and um, I was always made to feel like a bit of an outsider at least that's how I I felt and I I went to secondary school with my best friend from primary school but pretty much as soon as we got there she kind of got absorbed into the the cool group as there always is and I very much got left behind so and and um she was quite manipulated in in her own way she was she was bullied within that circle but it was just kind of yeah that separation and then the being left out and yeah that's when the bullying really began at school and and that's definitely when things took a bit of a nosedive for me so yeah yeah so just just going back on what you said so Mm. obviously yeah it's gonna it's always a massive transition going from one school and obviously being that person and going to another school especially having your best friend almost you know depart from you for for whatever mm. reasons so what 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 talk us through what happened what how were you feeling when that happened when your best friend sort of kind of left you to your own devices so that's, that's how you felt yeah so it's, it's hard to kind of to remember exactly looking back because yeah. it was a long time ago of course, now we're yeah, talking yeah. nearly 20 years yeah. ago but, I mean well but, done in remembering so yeah, far yeah <laughs> I know but the, the feelings that kind of come back are just mm. kind of not feeling good enough really yeah. that's the big one like not feeling worthy not feeling like yeah not good enough and kind of what's wrong with me it's almost those questions that start to start to come up so and that in amongst all of the hormone changes and I went through that I think much younger than a lot of my um my peers actually kind of um yeah my I think I definitely started you know grow boobs and like came on my period much earlier than a lot of the other girls so like going through those physical changes as well then just made me think even more like 
worst of myself if that makes sense yeah. i haven't put that very well but yeah so no, i think no. it's just the combination yeah no absolutely mm. understand where you're coming from it's almost like that uh, what, what how old were you when that sort of when, where, when, 11 you, yeah 11, 11 years 12, old so and, yeah and, and at that age, you were already saying to yourself these sort of types of questions, mm. like and almost questioning yourself and mm-hmm. that self-doubt kicking in. Mm-hmm. Okay, which yeah. is obviously not a, not a nice thing at all. Um, okay, so talk us through sort of going through uh, secondary school. Like what, what happened after then? Did, did things change for you or was it the same? No. So, so after that initial year or so of the kind of the being left out and the separation then there started to be some some verbal bullying as well so kind of name calling by one girl in particular and already kind of being conscious of the way that I looked and kind of you know as all teenagers go through an awkward phase like I had big braces and as you yeah. say like my skin was quite bad and just I mean I'm looking back it wasn't that bad when I look at pictures of myself no, of but at the time at the it's time like the biggest oh my gosh it's so, so it's already uh, yeah. really self-conscious and yeah. and then as I say like the verbal bullying began and it was making fun of my appearance so for a few years it was it was quite bad but it, mm-hmm. it did then kind of turn a corner when I was 15 16 I think girls do grow up a little bit and then I think also just the pressure of exams start to come in and, and people you know yeah. were quite focused on that at my school so maybe that transition of kind of growing up a little bit and then yeah and then having that extra focus I think that then it did get a little bit better but by that point it had been three years of kind of of, of bullying and um and yeah. then the verb the verbal bullying as well and then during that time when I was um when I was 13 I think it, it started to happen that was when I began to develop anxiety and depression um and also went down a route of, of self-harm as well so it was mm. kind of like going through all those things and then and by the time it started to get better in terms of the bullying at school I was already in that cycle of kind of being anxious and depressed and the self-harming and so that that cycle is something even though the circumstances around me changed um those those as i say the cycles and and those mental health problems still there and and being again at an all girls it was a catholic school the counseling services available weren't I think, um, what I needed at that time. So yeah, the the counselor was the RE teacher. And, um, I mean, her best lines were to do with sex education was just say no in her Liverpudlian accent. And then in terms of like the anxiety and depression, I know that was literally the amount of our sex education at school was just (laughs) say no. And then actually a video showing us a video of a baby being born, um, to be like, this is why you say no, because if you have sex, you're definitely going to get pregnant and this is going to happen. <laughs> so, oh wow yeah but that's gone on a slight tangent but in terms of then the counseling that this this lady I mean she was trying her best obviously yeah. she she was just a teacher she wasn't a counselor okay but okay. it was like the, the we'll counseling let her off, that, yeah we'll let yeah. her off but yeah the counseling on offer at school was mm. just not that great to be honest um yeah. so it just yeah it just I was just caught then in this cycle and I wasn't getting the help I needed and and my parents weren't really aware of what was going on because even though we were close, I, I think it was just um, feeling ashamed that that was what I was going through and yeah. also not, not knowing the words to kind of share that with your parents. Mm. It's kind of like... Well, and at that age as well, mm. like, you know, you don't know, you don't know anything, do you? No, that's it. It's kind of, yeah, you don't know what it is. You mm. don't know yeah. what you're going through. So how exactly. are you meant to find the words to 
to share with them what you're going through. And also you, I really had this sense of that because I was feeling like this, I was letting them down, even though they never did anything to make me feel like that. Yeah. It was just kind of like, them again, it was this, well, there must be something wrong with me kind of thing. So yeah, mm. so that's kind of how, how those few years went, but. <laughs> no, I mean, look, this yeah. is, I mean, this is a really interesting topic because mm. um, especially at that age, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost like really fascinated by that age group uh, and mental health um, as one of the reasons why I volunteer for a charity called Yes Futures. I had the CEO on the other day and she said a similar thing. She was actually bullied at a younger, younger age, sort of similar to when you were bullied. Um, however, she dealt with it slightly differently. I suppose, I don't know. It was a very, obviously everyone deals with things differently, but mm. uh, I've heard lots of scenarios where, you know, you have gone into that cycle of, you know, being bullied and you're starting to really convince yourself that you, there is something wrong with you, but actually there's not, uh, but you can't get out of that cycle. Mm. So um, what, just out of interest, sort of put that to the side. Now, knowing what you know now, Lucy, what would you say to someone that might be in that position when you were at school? Yeah. So how, how what, would you, how would you go around that? Yeah. What, what I've really learned about bullies over the years is that it's not about the person that's being bullied. It's actually about yeah. the bully themselves. So, um, I think flipping that perspective and actually putting yourself in the shoes of the bullies, like how terrible must they be feeling about themselves to want to inflict yeah. that kind of feeling onto somebody else? Because essentially that's what it is so so that's the main thing that I've learned and the main yeah. thing that I would share with someone who is being bullied it's it's nothing to do with you yeah. um and it's actually probably because you've got something that they want it's probably because yeah. you're good at something that they want to be good at or mm. you're a, a nicer person than they are yeah. or you know or you have a more stable family life than they do and, and it's like you know it can be a, all manner of, of reasons but that's that would be what I would say to my younger self I think if I yeah. if I had the chance to and anyone else going through the same thing and I think it's worse for kids nowadays as well because of all the online stuff as well oh, God, so yeah. yeah when I was growing up so I've, I've just turned 30 so when I was growing up we did have like Bebo do you remember that one Bebo yes. <laughs> I do. Yeah, oh my god! We Bebo and we had yeah. MySpace, and then yeah, like, oh, MySpace, yeah. yeah, and Facebook was just starting to come yeah. in. But there, there, you know, and there might have been like the odd abusive text sense, but um, but it would it would it was nothing like it is now because obviously every text, you know, that cost you what twenty p or whatever it was back yeah. then. So you know, so. I think I, I mean, for kids growing up now, it must be so much more challenging, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, first of all, just going back to what you would say to your, your younger self, hundred percent bang on. And this mm. is exactly what, um, Sarah said, uh, the CEO at Yes Futures, who obviously does what she does with the charity with the kids. So, 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 so important. I think when you're the most important thing, probably out of all of this for me, and this is just my opinion is when you couldn't find the words to speak to your parents about it how would you how would you how would you get the child or the, the kid to explain that to the parents because ultimately the parents are the ones that are going to be in control of that and help the be best place to help them i mean how i mean i don't know i'm i'm i've never been in that situation so i don't know but i don't know what you what your thoughts <laughs> yeah. are on it. 
I think it's a really tricky one because it, you know, it was nothing that my parents did or didn't do. I think that that mm. could have helped me through. I was actually having this chat with my mum the other day because she said, "I wish you'd warned me about your podcast <laughs> episode." I was, I felt so awful um, about. And I said, "Mom, please don't." Like, first of all, I wouldn't be who I am today without sure, yeah. having been through all of that, you know. Um, but but also, I said, look there was nothing I don't looking back I don't think she could have really done anything differently I mean mm. other than maybe um acknowledging that that actually anxiety and depression can look quite different in different people mm -hmm. and so for me I was still a really high achiever so I still you know I literally I'm the biggest geek you ever met in terms of getting my homework in on time and like literally but but yeah. actually that was it almost a bit how my my mental health problem manifested because I put so much pressure on myself sure. and if I you know and I had this thing like if I didn't get something in on time then again I'd have this feeling of worthlessness and kind of so I think you know looking out for different signs you know because it can manifest really differently in different yeah. people and as I say for me it was that overachiever um, not just in terms of schoolwork, but also um, I was really into my sport. And I, again, I put pressure on myself to be in every single mm. sports team. Um, my main sport was netball and I really needed to be like on all the A team and the first team encounter. I needed, needed to be at the top to yeah. have any sense of like self-worth. And I don't know where that came from. Honestly, I really, really don't. But um, so I guess just just knowing that that mental health issues like anxiety and depression as I say they can manifest differently in different people so just because someone mm -hmm. looks okay on the surface maybe you know just just digging a bit deeper into kind of what might be going on underneath yeah. um, because obviously we know all the obvious signs depression someone looks himself away in the room doesn't want to get up doesn't want to wash of course doesn't want to eat those kinds of signs are quite quite clear and quite obvious to see mm -hmm. and then anxiety you can have the physical kind of you yeah. know um responses again that are, are maybe easier to spot but there are different different things that are, are less so that yeah. maybe yeah maybe just digging a bit deeper i guess but yeah yeah but when we know more about it nowadays as i say that was 100%. i'm 30 now and, and going through that kind of 15 plus years ago we know more about mental health now yeah. so yeah there, there yeah. is a lot uh, just to add on to that there is a lot more awareness about mental health there's a lot more support um you know even i mean one one thing to to mention and um just going off piece a little bit lucy but i really want to mention this but mental health um just from what i know again this is just my opinion mental health illnesses can approach you at any point of your life I know someone who was 62 years old who was absolutely fine, healthy, their whole life mentally, then all of a sudden got hit by depression. Mm. Um, and it was a really, and at that age, when you go through the whole, your whole life and then all of a sudden it hits you, you know, um, it's not a great thing. So it's important to look after your mental health. For anyone who's listening to this, whatever you do, even if you're mentally stable, like it's important to look after yourself. Um, mm. And there's so much support out there. Um, okay, so back to Lucy. When mm. you left school, um what are you 16 years old so 16 mm. what, what 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 were you doing then were you still in school or and what was yeah going yeah so so 16 I actually made a transition from the school that I was at to a different again it was still a, an all-girls private school education kind of 
situation, but it's, I wanted to t change for my two years of A-levels basically because I had friends at the school that I wanted to go to and I just had a sense that I would be happier there. And I must say like that was one of the best decisions I've made. I've always had this thing where I just, I sometimes I just know where I need to go or what I need to be doing. Yeah. And it was just that feeling like, it was, I mean, it was an extra 20 minutes each way for my parents to take me there because obviously 16, you still can't drive. You, yeah. want, to, you want to, you want to have your freedom, yeah. you still can't drive. But yeah, but it was, I must say, it was the best decision I made because those final two years in sixth form at this new school were just so much happier in terms of like my friendship group that I had there. We were really solid. We're still really good friends now. And um, it, I don't know what the difference was. I know we were all a little bit older, but that that school just seemed to have quite a different energy about it. I know that's okay. a really yeah. yogury word, but no, no, no. It, it was kind of, it was, yeah, it was a bit more multicultural. There was lots of different mm -hmm. people there. And even though it was still a private school, they, they just seemed a bit more switched on with kind of how to deal with girls, basically. Yeah, and they really supported us rather than just... Um, had expectations of us if that makes sense they had mm -hmm. the expectation but they supported us to get there rather than just okay. putting pressure on us it felt a little bit like at the the first yeah. school so yeah so I was much more supported there but but as I said I was I was already though in this cycle of of, of depression and anxiety and even yeah. though I was I was better there it was still um it was still an issue. And then by the time you get to that age, it kind of manifested itself in a, in a slightly different way. Mm -hmm. um, so first of all, I took up smoking when I was 16 to help me with my social anxiety. And I found it was just, it was a really good mask to wear in social situations because mm -hmm. um, yeah, I didn't always like being around a lot of people. So it would be like, oh, to one like one friend or should we go and have a cigarette and have those kind of those quiet moments outside and have a good chat and um yeah and, and also of course nicotine relaxes you makes you feel mm. more um more at ease obviously that's not something I do now I quit that a long time ago it doesn't really yeah. go with the yogi the yogi lifestyle um but then the other the other place I kind of um I went to was I suppose looking for approval from I'm going to call them boys because at that age they very much are boys so kind of thinking that by trying to make them happy then I would be mm. making myself more happy so looking for my self-worth in that but of course it did mm. not work <laughs> yeah. not at all it made yeah. me it did make me worse in quite a few areas so okay yeah. just, just tapping yeah. on that because there's been a uh, you know this, this still goes on today there's still a, a, a different ages as well not just at that mm. age when you were that age um so what did you what did you what did you expect to get from that situation like and what was your thought process going into that as in like what was i what were, what were you trying to achieve I, I really don't know. I really don't know. I think, I think the thing is with, um, with girls in particular, of course with everyone, but with girls in particular, we grow up watching Disney movies mm -hmm. and we're kind of like painted this beautiful, um, well, it's actually not beautiful. It's really quite dark when you think about <laughs> it, but this kind of image of, of, of love that's like, oh, you know, meet your prince and then everything's going to be great and happy and it's all going to be rainbows and sunshine and the birds are going to fly around you forever happily yeah. ever after kind of thing <laughs> like this fantasy, fantasy yeah, lifestyle sort of thing yeah exactly and mm. it's you know and i and i and it's not so much that i was 
expecting that scenario but I think you do have some expectation that that's gonna like if if, if you fall in love with someone and they fall in love with you then that's going to make you complete and I think that is a really dangerous um, image to be painting for for young people um, because first of all you know we shouldn't need someone else to make us feel complete um, and actually if we do look for that then we're we're just never gonna be able to to be happy because we have to learn to be complete by ourselves yeah. and to make ourselves happy and whole first yeah. but at that age oh my gosh like you have no understanding of, of that and it's yeah, yeah exactly the yeah. last thing you're thinking about and then i mean throw into the mix again still all the hormones still you know mm -hmm. 16 17 18 it's still a really awkward age i would never want to go back there um, and then all of these social expectations, you know, that's when the big parties start to happen and, um, and all of these things. And it's, yeah, it, it was just, I mean, I've gone off track again there, but it, it was no, just, no. it's just, it's just a, a sponge, messy... aren't you, at that age? Like, oh, growing yeah, up definitely. through your whole teens up until, even till like 19, 20. Even some yeah. people at 30 years old are still a sponge. Um, but more so yeah. when you're that age until you get older and you start going through life and thinking, wow, mm. okay, maybe I should look at this differently. Um, yeah no I, I i i get i get i get the, the thought process behind it uh then okay so moving forward into 18 19 what what was, yeah. what was your what was your what was your plan what did you think you were going to do or did you have any idea what you wanted to do yeah so my original plan um at 18 i left school and again, being someone that put a lot of pressure on myself to achieve, but I did really well, got three A's at A-level. I had a place at Bristol University. I think at the time it was to study sociology because I'd heard that that was one of the easiest degrees. Wait, wait were, you, were you still um, uh, suffering from anxiety and depression in these times? Or was it okay? Was it manageable? No, I, I was, yeah. Right, okay. I was, yeah, and you still managed still... to get those results? Yes, and get into yeah, so university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. I was, I was very high functioning. Mm. That's how yeah. it. That's how it manifested. Um, that, yeah. That point in in particular is very, very interesting because mm. that just shows how much of an invisible, invisible illness this is. Mm. Like even going through life like that and and smashing grades and getting into mm -hmm. universities, you were still suffering mm -hmm. at that point yeah and e even when it got worse which i'll go down um i'll go down into I, I i got a first in my my degree in the end even though it got got worse from there so this is what i mean it, i was very high functioning I mean, it's amazing well and done I, yeah. <laughs> but, but at the yeah. same time it's like whoa yeah yeah, yeah so, but yeah so i had this plan i was going to go to bristol university but then i decided even though i'd got into study sociology i'd actually then taken a step back and thought actually i I, I maybe can challenge myself a bit more and I, I then wanted to change to do English literature at Bristol so that was kind of my plan to, to 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 go to do English at Bristol University but I'd always wanted to take a gap year first um couldn't get much more ascot could I gap year <laughs> um but that was my idea and that's really what I wanted to do yeah and my my gap year started with um a ski season in France um, so I got a job as one of those ski reps, you know, the ones that pick you up yeah. from the airport and kind of take you on the, the bus run and then they take you on the pub crawl and that kind of thing. And it was mm -hmm. set to be just the, the best five months of my life, like 18, moving abroad yeah. in a lovely little, you know, little apartment, like 
um, at the bottom of the mountain with two lovely new friends that I'd just made and, and they were awesome, those two girls. And it was all looking like, oh, this is going to be the best kind of few months ever and a great, a great moment in between kind of, you know, studying for however many years and then going on to study again. Yeah. So, so it was kind of like, yeah, up for it and all excited. But then um, very early on in that, in that season, I, um, I met someone who went on to become my boyfriend um, for five and a half years. And um, he is now very much an ex because it, 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 it was, I don't know how to word it, first of all. There were signs quite early on, um, but because of how I felt about myself, I um, think, you know, framing it in the context of me feeling worthless, not good enough, um, you know, unlovable really. Um, that's very much what he reinforced within me because that's what he was feeling within him. I think like, look, again, looking back, this is all with hindsight, but I think, um, yeah, he very quickly projected those kind of feelings about himself onto me and, and it became an emotionally abusive relationship for, for quite a long time actually. So, um, as I say, for five and a half years. So from, mm -hmm. from 18, um, from this very exciting time in my life, all of a sudden I was pretty much trapped in this scenario for, as I say, yeah, five and a half years, because, um, by the end of that, that ski season, um, he'd never say I had to do anything, but he would make me feel like I did, if that makes sense. He'd never yeah. use certain certain words, but it would be a manipulation to make me feel a certain way. Can I just so ask the... you something? Um, sorry, sorry to stop you. Mm. I'm, just, I'm interested. How did you actually, what was the setting you met him in? Um, good question. I, we worked if for you the same, remember. yeah, we worked <laughs> from the same, we worked for the same company. So he okay. was a, a chalet host for the same company. So naturally oh, okay. all of the, all of the workers of the same company would socialize together. together. So it would just be okay. socializing all together really. And mm -hmm. it just kind of went on from there. There's, um, there's a reason why I asked that question is because, mm -hmm. um, if anyone is listening to this and they might find they are, they are, or they could be getting into that sort of, um, relationship it's important to know sort of how it can come about and it is as easy as that right mm. um but i suppose actually yeah. carry on sort of moving forward like the triggers and stuff yeah so, yeah, yeah ca ca carry on sorry. definitely yeah but he you know he was only 18 as well so both mm. very young and you know obviously still figuring out life at that age but but yes but so by the by the end of the the season i had i had written to bristol and declined my place that i had lined up there so um mm. I'd, I'd let go of that, that big dream that I had there, I guess. And, and his, um, his A-level results were, were nowhere near as good as mine. So he had a bit of a scramble to get into university, but we still ended up going to quite a good one. Um, he ended up getting a place at Hull University and basically kind of, yeah, made me feel like I had to, to go there as well. Um, so I, and obviously being a straight A student with this kind of perfect track record on paper, yeah, I, I had no issues getting in. They, they yeah. wanted me almost straight. I walked into the, you know, got a last minute interview, walked in and they didn't really straight want away. to meet me for very long. They were like, yep, yeah, please come. Of course, of course. And I got a student bursary. And so 
I was kind of like that. And then I was tied in for at least three years there, of course, being at the yeah, same yeah. university together. And to be honest, like it, that's where it, 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 it got worse because, mm. um, you know, just as these things go on, they do tend to just get, develops, doesn't it? to get worse. And, yeah. and I, um, again, kind of, I was very good at netball. So I got on the first team, in my first year but if you know anything about university sport you'll know the sport is really not the I guess the main thing that the sports teams do mm -hmm. it's the drinking on a Wednesday night after your after oh, your yeah. student games, nights, isn't it? Student nights yeah. that's it but I played netball for my whole three years at uni and never went out on a Wednesday night ever never ever because I was in this situation where I was made to feel like that wasn't um that wasn't what ladies did kind of thing. Like you don't, yeah. you know, and, and, and any time I did go out at uni, like he had to be there. Um, and again, he would never use certain, he would never say you can't wear this or you can't wear makeup, but the way that he would comment when I did wear a certain dress, say, or wear, you know, wear makeup would be, um, yeah, would make me know that it wasn't okay kind of thing. So what, I was kind of, sort of what kind uh, of, like actually just going back to like he you, you said he made you go to hull could you mind describing sort of how how, how uh, is there a kind of conversation was it or was it just no, kind of words it or? wasn't it wasn't a conversation no okay. it was just over time just making me feel like that's what i had to do if that makes sense and again it was okay. a long time ago and obviously going through traumatic experiences you do block things out a little, little mm. bit but but the way that it was kind of it, it came about was because of these feelings of worthlessness in yeah. within me already he definitely fed off that and he blamed me for all of his problems essentially so anything that would be you know that bad that would happen to him say he would get really drunk and pass out on a night out or something it would all be back to because of something that I did if that makes sense okay. um yeah and then I would be the one kind of left being like oh my god like I'm such a terrible person and um I was just honestly made to feel like that this huge amount of guilt and then when you feel guilt you then feel responsible for somebody mm -hmm. um and so it was that that sense of kind of feeling responsible for him made me feel like I had to make that that decision yeah. to go there with him um yeah. so it was yeah it, it's very complicated and very yeah. confusing and looking at something from the outside honestly everyone that knew me was like what are you doing like they i think they all thought i was completely yeah they they they, mm. they kind of would have would have conversations with me in a really kind way like oh we're not sure that this is a good decision that you're making like are you sure about this and i think like i the 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 way that he went about the emotional abuse was, was quite clever because people didn't really see it as that from the outside. I think until later on, until mm. a few days, years down the line, my friends just thought I was really in love and in this really great situation because I would like, it, it sounds quite romantic, right? Throwing your dream away for love kind of thing. But actually it wasn't, that was far from the truth kind of yeah. thing. This is um, interesting because <laughs> just hearing you say, hearing you speak about your journey right and when you said that you got um three a's you got into hull but yet you were masking anxiety and depression mm. and then hearing you talk about your friends describe your relationship they were like oh yeah no it's a really lovely relationship but mm. actually what's going on underneath is completely different mm -hmm. 
completely just, it sounds like they're, they're, they're running in parallel and um yeah just i just find that quite fascinating yeah yeah and that's that is um i guess the the, the black hole of abusive mm. situations is that it's not always obvious what's going on yeah um because they make you feel like you have to put on this front and you have to tell certain stories and things like that but i you know i very quickly got quite separated from my friends and even from my family like we, we did still see my family and you know we, we went on holidays all together but mm-hmm. um he, he was always very critical of my family members especially my parents and never in front of you them, know though, right oh no 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 yeah. never in front yeah. of them no 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 always behind yeah. their back so Mm. then it just puts put put me in a very difficult and awkward situation um because then you know you you then feel bad because you're like well is that my family are they really like that again painting them in a certain way yeah but made you start to question your your thoughts and your actions honestly like the biggest Mm. web of just confusingness and it's just I mean that's not even a proper word but it's do you know what I mean we get what you mean and so dark and so um so complicated but Mm. I must say a lot of his problems um because again you know painting this picture of someone like that you'd think they'd come from quite a difficult background and but no his parents were lovely had a lovely older brother um and they really like took me in and were so kind and so caring um, but I, I don't really know what happened to, to make him feel the way that he felt about himself. Mm. Um, because as I say, like came from a really kind of supportive, stable situation at home, but you know, but now? not really, no, but I, even that in itself just must be really confusing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there was a history of mental illness in, yeah. within their family but kind of that that makes what I'm about to say a little a little bit more interesting because um he he went down the route of kind of um well exploring with drugs first of all but then kind of I he did become quite dependent on certain drugs and to be mm-hmm. honest he was so secretive about a lot of it that I don't know exactly what it all was okay. but he definitely smoked a lot of weed and I think that fed into his kind of paranoia because you know for yeah. some people that is where it goes and I know for some people weed is 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 actually really great and it helps mm-hmm. with lots of different um medicinal problems and things like that but I do think for certain people it doesn't mix well with them at all yeah, and with him it, it you know with him it really made him very paranoid which is where the emotional abuse came from because he then became paranoid about everything every little thing I was doing mm-hmm. and so I would be questioned interrogated about everything every minute detail so there, there was the paranoia first of all um but yeah and and it just it just becomes as I say a really big web and um, yeah. I'm not being very articulate anymore but you know you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah no, no absolutely you're describing it really yeah. well and I you know thank you for explaining that I think it's it's, it's yeah. important for you to if anyone's listening to actually hear that you know firsthand that mm. you can feel like a web you know it can feel mm. really confusing you can feel worthless you can feel manipulated but not know it you know there is certain yeah. things which you just don't even realize is happening around yeah. you but it's happening yeah right? it's happening and I must I must just say though that I really don't have any um bad feelings towards mm-hmm. him now as I said right at the beginning it was just all his problems colliding with mine yeah and I um I actually have nothing nothing but empathy 
for him and what he what what he's been through I don't actually have a clue where he is or what he's doing in the world now but um you know I I, I there's actually no bad feelings because as I said before if I hadn't have been through what I've been through and I wouldn't be where I am now so yeah. everything happens know. for a reason yeah, yeah. I mean, as cheesy a, as it is <laughs> that's true though it's very true I say all the time I don't care <laughs> but no do you know what as well like being able to sit here now um and say you know you've got un, 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 untold empathy towards him and the situation he was in you know that just shows how much you've grown as a person how strong you are as an individual uh, mm. to go through all of that especially what you had prior to that anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> and then still go through that um okay so what what happened when it ended how how did it end or how did you escape the situation mm, escape is a good word mm. <laughs> it was like the great escape so well uh this is really where the yoga starts i've got you a picture of like <laughs> indiana jones or something now like putting on the hat and going yeah, for the desert and stuff. i know <laughs> no go yeah, on so. but, but no so yeah this is where yoga really comes into it because okay. um i always say that actually without yoga or without finding yoga it's very possible that I wouldn't have, have made it out of that situation mm. at all. Oh, also, so, remember to paint the picture that you didn't go out, right? This is university. I, yeah, you didn't, I go, didn't out. go out. You didn't do anything. You were no, in all the time. Pretty much in all the time. But that okay. is why I got such a good degree because the only place I was yeah. allowed to go was into the libraries. So. Oh, there you go. Every cloud, eh? Every cloud. Every cloud, exactly. Yeah, literally, like, yeah. was at home on the netball court or in the library. That's where you'd find me. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. actually, it was it was at uni when I first found yoga. Um, mm. But then it was just kind of on my iPad, like watching it in my living room, like just literally just doing it for the stretching, for the physical benefits. Yeah. Um, so yeah so that's where I first found yoga but then after university we moved to London together um his mum very kindly let us use her flat as like a base to live to live out of in London and it was actually there that I really got into my yoga practice so quite soon after being in uni um I got a really lovely job at a charity called Street Charge United in the city in Old Street. And um, yeah, absolutely loved working for them. It was really, um, that was like a happy memory of that time. It was like, it was lovely to have that because kind of restored my faith in people a little bit as well. But that's another story, I guess. But just um, on that, isn't it funny though, how one thing like that can literally completely shift how you think about people, the world, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Well done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I learned a lot from my time there and I yeah. I absolutely I still support them as a charity and love love what they do even having left many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um but it was kind of on my way home from there every evening so the the flat was in Holloway. Um, if you know London, this kind of the layout of where I was kind of based at the time so the flat was in Holloway. My off- office was in Old Street. And then the yoga studio was kind of like a short walk from my office, just kind of on the way towards Holloway. And then I'd get my my bus home after yoga. But I literally like I found this deal on on Woucher, um, which if you remember, it was like you've got cheap deals. And for some reason, I just kept being able to buy the same deal over and over and over again. So it was like um, 10 yoga classes for 30 pounds, which being just out of uni, having not much money, I was like, great, I can do yoga for three pounds pop. And yeah, and I wanted to make the most of it. So I was mm-hmm. literally going like three, four times a week, like, because again, that was all I was allowed to do, literally go to work, go to yoga, go home. Um, so I was in, you know, in this space of like really becoming reliant on my yoga practice, not only to feel physically well, 
but also it was there that I started to really notice the mental benefits of yoga as well. So it's almost like peeling back the layers of, of an mm. onion, I guess, yeah. like getting into the middle. Like, yeah, no, it's just it, so true. It, yeah, in our life, like we have all these layers of experiences and conditioning that like build up on top of one another. And mm-hmm. again, like to use the analogy of the web, they all become quite interlinked. And we start to think that that is our identity. And when you've been emotionally abused, like that's someone else's projection of you kind of in that knot of everything together as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when I came to the mat it was like slowly it was like this knot just started to unravel like I was shedding all of these things like these ideas of who he was telling me I was and all of these things I'd felt responsible for over the years and like every time I came to the mat it was almost like something else fell away um and can so I, it was can I, can I just ask something I'm very curious mm-hmm. I mean, you said you weren't you're not allowed to do anything else apart from what that routine was mm-hmm. what would happen if you did do something you weren't you was not allowed well by that point um I had quickly learned um that if I did do something that he didn't like it was basically like an interrogation okay um so I would be just questioned and questioned and questioned asked the same questions over and over again who did you see who was looking at you who were you looking at why like did your top fall down like who was there who are you who are you talking to recall the exact conversation and it wouldn't just be like a one-off interrogation it would be like I'd literally be interrogated about the same thing like over and over and over and over again. Wow. Um, so, really? and that, yeah. And so that becomes Jesus, absolutely man. exhausting. So oh, yeah. by that, yeah. So by that point in the relationship, I kind of knew what was worth it and what wasn't, if that makes sense. I'm exhausted just um, hearing you say it. Yeah, it was exhausting. Yeah. And and even things like before we'd even met. So he'd he'd interrogate me about people and situations and boyfriends that I'd have before. Like literally like just go into drill into such like I need to know every single which of course is not healthy at all. Like whereas my lovely boyfriend now, again, we've been together actually about five and a half years is like he literally is like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. No, it's all right, it's fine. You swear (laughs) as much as you want. Honestly, it's no problem. He's literally like, I don't give a shit I didn't know you then so why would I care like he's literally never asked me one question in five and a half years so it's and so it's kind of yeah so it's so so I so by the time I was in London and in that kind Mm -hmm. of that yoga triangle yoga work home triangle I just learned that it just wasn't worth it so um you know yeah so yeah but yeah so but anyway so so yeah so that's when I found yoga And then that was about two years of just regularly being in that routine, kind of peeling back the layers, as I say. And then um, finally, I managed to um, get up the courage to to do the great escape, essentially. I just to come to that point where I I felt strong enough within myself. So I, I just rang my parents and I said, it's time can you come get me like we're literally we're getting everything in the car and we're getting out of out of it yeah yeah and the actual kind of point where I told him it was literally happened within 24 hours it was Mm -hmm. it was very explosive but I told him at the very last minute because I knew how how he would react and I'm yeah and I was quite um sensible in doing (laughs) and doing it that way because my parents were literally like half an hour away (laughs) by the time I'd said anything and luckily um yeah I mean it was still quite bad like he 
threw a lot of my stuff yeah. out the window and, and, and kind of forcibly pushed me out of the apartment and, and wouldn't let me get any of my stuff. But, um, until my parents actually showed up with the car and, and they, you know, well, my dad <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, no, yeah, my dad went Big up dad. <laughs> yeah, well, literally yeah. like got everything or as much as I could. I'm sure there's stuff that I left, but by that yeah. point, stuff just didn't matter. And then I've never looked back, to be honest. So, so yeah. I mean, look, in a nutshell, mm. it sounds like yoga's almost saved you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and, and did yoga yeah. save you from mental health as well? It, it uh, yeah, I mean, saving me from my mental health uh, challenges is maybe not the right word. What it's okay. given me is tools to be able to manage them because yeah. I still, you know, I still get flare ups now. I've been doing yoga now for 10 years at least and I, I still do get get flare-ups now not so much of the depression um sometimes it does come up but more of the anxiety now yeah um haven't self-harmed in a very very long time but but what yoga did was give me the the tools to be able to deal with the anxiety and the depression so Amazing. kind of it makes you much more aware of your thought patterns and kind of which certain emotions are related to thought mm -hmm. patterns um, and also it just what it's really shown me is that actually it's all okay because I used yeah. to put all this big pressure on myself like you know when I was having certain thoughts or going into certain places it was like you know you put more pressure on yourself and then that keeps you in that place mm -hmm. whereas in yoga you, you learn to become the witness rather than the person that's involved with the thoughts and the emotions so mm -hmm. almost like taking a little bit of a step back and just going like okay thoughts they're gonna come they're gonna go that they don't define me same with emotions they're gonna come they're gonna go they don't define me and also taking away the labels of good or bad because there's no such thing as a good thought well, or a bad thought yeah. or there's no good or bad emotion like especially with emotion emotion makes us human right so it's so actually grief we in the west we have this label of grief as being like a bad emotion but actually all it means is that you've experienced a, a huge amount of love and that's the only reason you're experiencing it. so it's just like the yin and the yang and and so yeah so that's that's how it's helped me kind of deal with the mental health side of things for sure so yeah i love that i i absolutely mm. love that and thank you for explaining that you explain that very <laughs> elegantly i love that um, it's my job <laughs> no, that's amazing amazing um i mean look so so for so then obviously yeah you started yoga you, you, i know you went traveling for a little while we haven't got time to maybe on another podcast mm. we'll talk about that because <laughs> i love traveling as well so i'm, I'm mm. I'll maybe get you on for another that but so you went to do the yoga uh you started mm -hmm. yoga business Mm -hmm. over the last 10 years how how has it been like how has it progressed um what's changed for you and what have you learned yes so i actually so i've only been teaching for five and a half years okay. um now so mm -hmm. so um yeah so practicing for 10 but teaching mm -hmm. for five and a half and yeah i mean it's it's been amazing i so i first learned my, my first teacher training was in india as you say we won't go into that as much now but it was in india and of course having that introduction to, to teaching yoga in the home of yoga was just such a beautiful start for me and i think it gave me a really good rooting in 
what yoga really is because mm -hmm. i do think in the west we have lost a little bit of connection to what it really is yep. it's kind of become all about the physical practice and yep. all about like who's wearing the best lululemon leggings and all <laughs> that kind of so stuff. it's a completely different whereas, perception isn't it over here yeah, I, I, yeah. I i kind of agree with you on that yeah yeah whereas right from the beginning i had this sense of like yoga is something that needs to be shared with as many people as possible first of all um, but in a way that's really truthful mm -hmm. um, and and unclouded by any judgment or anything like that. So that the community that I've created, it, it is in Ascot around our area. And it's just a really, I mean, from day one, it's just been a really supportive community. So like in my classes, I get people of all ages, all abilities and, um, you know, if, people from all kinds of walks of life. And people do, do do keep coming back, most of them, because they kind of see that it, it it's not about like what you're able to do or what you're wearing or anything like that. It's just about coming and spending time with yourself yeah. and, um, and just like actually giving a bit back to yourself so that you can then go out and share that with other people. So my whole business is based around, around that ethos and kind of, you know, setting up any business is really tough as i'm sure you know oh, yeah. like it's oh, really yeah. tough yeah, yeah. and the, the early days were really challenging because mm. i had a pub job alongside trying to get a yoga business off the ground like pub and yoga doesn't it's really the complete opposite. Together, right? yeah but actually yeah. one of my longest my longest serving kind of private clients he came from the pub and he yeah. you know still goes to the pub now like quite obviously not right now because we yeah. can't uh, not yet but <laughs> yeah but he still goes to the pub but but he loves his yoga and he's been with me for maybe what four years now um so anyway so for the first kind of 10 months it was yeah pub job trying to set up this yoga business but then I was quite fortunate in the timing I got into the industry was quite lucky because now it's this big thing but even five and a half years ago it wasn't quite mm. as big and I was the only younger teacher in the area so I was bringing something a bit different into yeah. this area nice. so I was quite lucky that yeah my community grew quite quickly and um, it's just built on on that you know year on year so I've now you know I've, I've got my my community classes I run five or six of those a week I've got my corporate client I've got lots of um, privates that I like to work one-on-one -on -one with people and I also teach at a yoga studio in Maidenhead twice a week so it's a really nice kind of range of what I do mm -hmm. and then as you said at the beginning I've now introduced the podcast as well which at the moment as you'll know doesn't you know doesn't make money it's not it's not part of the the money making side of the business so mm -hmm. to speak but it's all about building this community and what I'm trying yeah. to do is share wellness tools for you know for as many people as possible really so that's what it's yeah. all about but yeah so that's kind of yeah i mean amazing amazing i mean look <laughs> just to, i mean how would you i mean first of all thank you i think you've literally explained your life uh and jam-packed it in an hour and i, yeah. I it's funny because when i do these podcasts and i have the have guests like you on in my head when you're speaking i'm like painting this movie of like your life <laughs> it's so funny i said that last week on my last podcast and i can kind of picture you in this like movie like going in this car and going to university being in this relationship yeah being school being bullied and I, i'm that, that's how i'm picturing it and that's why i do i don't know why that happens but um so yeah no thank you it was really really detailed it was yeah. very interesting to hear it sort of firsthand and do you know what how would you summarize up until now your your journey of life 
big big question uh, i know <laughs> i'm sorry i just can't i just thought i'd ask you why not yeah, <laughs> it's a hard I mean, one yeah it's a really hard one i, I guess just just that everything happens for a reason and to trust the process um mm -hmm. because as i said i've actually always had this sense this gut instinct of like where i need to go next and what step yeah. i need to follow even that bad you know situation that i found myself in i i i kind of knew mm -hmm. in my mind that um it wasn't where i was going to end up which is what got me through it if that makes yeah. sense so i always had this feeling in my stomach yes it's bad now but you're not going to end up here and yeah. so so i guess just summarizing it as trusting the process and just knowing that everything is is going to happen how it's supposed to and you know now i'm really lucky like as i said i have a wonderful relationship with a lovely man i have my puppy who i just love what puppy um, have you got we've got a cockapoo called elsie she's 10 months old and she's just oh, oh my god she's just i mean she's gorgeous first of all, i know everyone probably says that about their dogs or their children or whatever but yeah she is very <laughs> cute she's really have you just being biased here lucy no i'm joking no honestly <laughs> i'll send you a no, picture because she's so cute um and then Amazing. you know last year we bought our house and so yeah. it's kind of like uh, uh, you know as i say i've just trusted the process and this is this is where it's it's led me to it's definitely not the end there's definitely no. a lot more that's going to come but Absolutely. i've now you know got a good foundation in place to to move forwards and um mm -hmm. i think the next step is kind of looking more at, at using yoga for, for more social justice reason like purposes but um mm -hmm. let's watch this space on that but yeah that was a really yeah. long answer to, to no, that no, question no. but I don't think you can summarize yeah. your life in like 30 seconds. <laughs> it's, it's pretty really much impossible, hard, isn't it? Yeah. No, no. Well, look, no. Uh, well, yeah. look, Lucy, Victoria, Jackson, um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I'm forever grateful um, for you telling your story. And if you've got this far and you're still listening, thank you to you too. And I'm pretty sure Lucy will say thank you as well. Um, you, if people yeah. want to get hold of you, um, what's the best place to reach out? So I am most active on Instagram, I would say. It's at Lucy Victoria Jackson Yoga. Cool. Um, you can also check out my website, which is lucyvictoriajackson.com. And then my own podcast is on Apple, Spotify, and that's called Root and Rise of Lucy. But you can find all of that on yeah. website or Instagram. So, yeah. It's an amazing podcast yeah. as well. I haven't listened to all of them, but I have listened to a few. And I, I really, I do really enjoy them. It's very, very soothing and relaxing as well, but yet insightful. Um, Thank so, you. <laughs> ones I have listened to anyway. Um, so, yeah, no. Okay, cool. I'll put all the links below or around these posts anyway. So if you wanted to get hold of me, so you can um but yeah on that note thank you very much lucy um enjoy the rest of your weekend and, and the summer heat that we've got yes you too thank right. you so much for having me no problem take care <laughs> see you later you too bye thank you for listening to this week's episode of the ignite your mind podcast this is a safe place for real talk on discovering powerful stories talking about mental health real business journeys and hearing inspiring stories please do subscribe if you are listening to this on spotify youtube or apple Podcasts, and leave me a comment and more importantly share this with anyone who you think may take value from it new podcasts every friday at 12 p.m i look forward to seeing you next week